We're going to start this morning with the final chapter of our Greater Than series, Matthew chapter 5. Let's open up with the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, 14 to 16 from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said that you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone may praise your heavenly Father. According to the story of Scripture, our story, we were created by God for His glory. We were created by God so that the world may know how much He loves people. And we are to shine brightly and love deeply so that the world can see the glory of our God in us. You, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We live in a time of confusion. We live in a time of unbelief. And we live, I think, in a time of, dare I say, self-worship. Those caught on the treadmill of self-worship will never experience the abundance of living in connection with a God who is greater than themselves. Our hope is in this God. Our hope is in His Son, Jesus Christ. And we don't simply hold this hope close to us. We shine for Jesus. We are the light of the world. We share His compassion and His concern with the people around us. We are the people of God and we are on mission to bring lost sheep back to the one who created them, who loves them, and who envisions a bright and glorious future for every person. John Eldridge speaks to, in a world of confusion and hopelessness, he speaks to this low-grade hopelessness that has infected humanity these days. He wrote, Our enemy is a thief, and of all the precious things that he has stolen from our hearts, his worst act of treachery has been to steal our future from us. He has stolen all the magic and promise and wonder of the happily ever after. Very few of us live with hope. And to those without faith, he has whispered, your story ends with an accident and then nothing. This is as good as it gets. Eldridge writes, small wonder people drink too much, eat too much, watch too much TV, basically check out. 
if they allow themselves to feel the depth of their actual longing for life and love and happiness, but have no hope that life will ever come, it's just too much to bear. What do you think about that? Eldridge's words really resonate with me because I think we see so many people every day who have essentially checked out, who are essentially kind of treading water just trying to get by. Not just financially, but emotionally, just trying to get by. Thing is, in North Dallas, where we live, where we drive, where we work, where we go to school, a lot of people have carefully manicured the facades of their lives to project success, right? I am successful. I've got it worked out. Look at me. We're very good at projecting those facades, but hidden underneath is what Eldridge talked about. Hopelessness. Despair. Back in 1897, Edward Arlington Robinson, three-time Pulitzer Prize-winning American author, uh, wrote a poem called Richard Corey. And he could have been written about North Dallas, 2015. Whenever Richard Corey went to town, we people on the pavement looked at him. He was a gentleman from soul to crown, clean-favored, imperially slim. He was always quietly arrayed. He was always human when he talked, but still he fluttered pulses when he said, Good morning, and he glittered when he walked. And he was rich, richer than a king, admirably schooled in every grace. In short, we thought he was everything to make us wish we were in his place. So on we worked and waited for the light. We went without meat and cursed the bread. Richard Corey, one summer night, went home and put a bullet through his head. Under the facade, despair, hopelessness. That's a world without Christ. And I've got news for you. The Bible calls this the good news, the euangelion, the gospel. And it is that there is hope. The good news is not something we're going to be able to manufacture by making more money or getting more vacation days. The good news is that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, that he lived a perfect sin-free life, gave his life on a cross sacrificially so that our sins might be forgiven, was raised on the third day so that we would have hope 
beyond this life. Beyond the things that we can hold on to, beyond the things that we can see, beyond the treadmill of hopelessness and despair. And he has drawn us into the story of this God who is greater than me, who is greater than ourselves, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so now we are his people. We are a people on mission. We are, if you will, missionaries. Check out this video clip as we prepare ourselves for the text this morning. mission field is wherever you are. Write this down on your outline this morning. First thing to write down there. God has a mission greater than myself. Given me a mission greater than myself to share the good news with the world around me. Now, oddly, one word that you won't find in the Bible anywhere is this word missionary. It's not in the Bible because every child of God is a missionary. It's not like there's a group in the church who is on God's mission and the rest of us are just kind of hanging out on Sunday mornings. We are all about the mission of God. We are all, in that sense, missionaries. Anyone who has been saved by Jesus Christ who has come into a relationship with this greater than God through Christ, has been put on the mission of shining for Jesus, of living out the good news wherever they are. Now for us at Preston Crest, it is in Dallas. It's in the Metroplex. It's at our offices in our neighborhoods, in our schools, that's where we are on the mission of God. Sure, we support mission projects in Scotland and all over the world. Amen for that. But God has given us this mission field where we live and work 
in the DFW area. So this morning, as we close out this Greater Than series, as we zero in on our mission as disciples to share the good news of Jesus, um, let's move into the text that we will unpack, unpack from 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 15, Peter writes, You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. If someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Guess what? In a despairing world, in a world of hopelessness, folks are going to notice people who shine, people who have the hope of Christ living in them. They're going to ask about it. Peter says, be ready for that. Be ready for that. Uh, There's nothing scary, there's nothing intimidating that Peter writes here about sharing our faith. He simply and clearly tells us how we are to live out this mission that Jesus has called us to this mission of hope. Four simple ideas in the text. Vocation, location, proclamation, and finally, radiation. And if you've given your life to Christ, then your vocation, your work, your job, is to shine for Jesus, to reflect His love, His compassion, His joy, with the people that you come in contact with and associate with, that's your vocation. That's your job. So write that one down, the vocation, the vocation. Um, It is, I live to show God's glory to everyone around me. As Peter says, Christ as Lord of your life. Okay. Not just Lord of my beliefs here in my head. Lord of my lifestyle. Lord of the way I conduct myself so others might see His love through me. Peter says, if Christ is Lord of your life, you will show it. Um, This is what you would call a truism. I mean, obviously, if someone or something is Lord of your life, if it's the center of who you are, then the people who are around you are going to see that. All right? I mean, it may be the Longhorns. It may be the Aggies. It may be golf. It may be your kids. It may be your front yard. It may be your politics. But if you love something and you center your life around it, people are going to notice. They're going to know that about you. Right? And Peter says... Our mission of sharing the good news starts right here in the most obvious place of all. It starts with Jesus being in the middle of my 9 to 5. In the middle of my, well, beyond 9 to 5, my 24-7. My life centers around Him. So if Jesus is Lord of my life, then the vocation, the job... The calling is to let other people see Him living in me. Amen? Now this naturally leads us from vocation to what that video is about, really, location. Um, Where does this mission happen? 
the two go together, right? Location. My mission field is wherever I am. And so I look for ways to honor God and share His love in all circumstances. Okay? This comes from that phrase that Peter used, always be ready. Okay? Peter doesn't say, oh, get ready for that mission trip you're going to take over to Rwanda. Okay? Be ready. No, he says, always be ready. Why does he tell these folks, always be ready? Because their mission field is where they go to school. It's where they go to work. It's where they buy groceries. It's their neighborhood. Always be ready because you are a missionary on mission wherever you are. Now, it was a joy, it was an honor for Isla and I to work on the mission field of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and I praise God, I do, for the amazing things he did through our mission team for 10 years down there. Praise God for that. But when we moved from Rio to Dallas in 2008, it wasn't that we were leaving the mission field. God was moving us to a new mission field. Dallas, Texas is a fast-growing mission field, an international mission field, right? I mean, isn't it? So the Lord was just moving us to a different mission field where we already had a bunch of missionaries working, right? That's you guys, one of the fastest-growing cities in North America. We don't have to cross a sea to share Jesus. We just have to cross the street. Now, you may choose to take your, save up your vacation days and your money and go on a mission project during the summer. A lot of us did this summer. Amen. What better way to use your vacation days than to go to Guatemala or to go to Africa uh, or to go on a Let's Start Talking project and share your faith and, and do good in the name of Jesus. Um, but if you live here, if your address is in one of these zip codes within 20 miles of here, then you better believe your mission field is here. It's here. We're going to go do things in other places, but my mission field is here. Your mission field is right here. That's why Peter says to always be ready. Because there are missional moments every single day right where you work and live, and play, and shop. So that's our vocation as disciples of Jesus, to reflect Jesus and how we live. That's our location, wherever we are. That's our mission field. Now for proclamation. Proclamation, that third bullet point there. I will share the gospel by telling God's story. Peter says... Be ready. Always be ready to do what? He says, ready to explain. Ready to tell. Ready to offer a bit of that story to someone around you. Now, here's what the text doesn't say. Thank God. The text doesn't say that you need to have clever arguments so that you can somehow verbally joust and coerce somebody, manipulate them into accepting Jesus as Lord of their life. Peter doesn't say that, does he? 
He does say you need to be ready to explain that hope that lives in you. So quickly, there are a bunch of things that are involved, and this is by no means a comprehensive list, but we're just going to work through some of the things involved in this proclamation. For starters, prayer. Prayer is cultivating the ground so that the gospel might be proclaimed. Asking God for opportunities to share your faith. Asking God to prepare the hearts who you're going to come in contact with so that they'll be receptive to hearing the story of how much He loves them. So pray for the lost to come to know Jesus Christ. That's part of proclamation. Now, what are you going to say? Be ready to explain, Peter says. Say what, though? What am I going to say? Very simply, this. I share how Jesus changed my life. Or I share how Jesus is changing my life. Um, the message, I love the way the message translates this verse in 1 Peter 3, verse 15. It says, Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are. Why did you use your vacation time to go on a medical mission to Guatemala? Why did you do that? That was expensive, and you don't get that many vacations. Why, why are you living the way you are? Why are you the kind of husband that you are? Why are you so honest at work, sometimes even to potentially the detriment of a promotion or, or profit? You're just scrupulously honest. Why is that? Nothing complicated or scary here. 30 minutes, or 30 minutes, 30 seconds to a minute or two minutes, it's being ready to share how your faith in the Lord blesses your life. 30 seconds to two minutes, being able to tell someone how your faith in the Lord blesses your life. What difference has Jesus made? How are you parenting differently? How are your values different? How are you a different spouse? How do you spend money differently? How does it make a difference in your life that Jesus is Lord? If that sounds complicated or if that sounds scary, then figure out in advance what you'll say if somebody asks you about that. I mean, what kind of thumbnail sketch of how the Lord is blessing you will you share with someone who asks you? Peter says, be ready to do that. And that is the heart and soul of evangelism. We are witnesses. That means we tell an eyewitness story. This is what God has done in my life. Now, I think that word evangelism is one of the scariest words in Christianity. Ooh, evangelism. The funny thing is, everybody is an evangelist. I don't care if you're a Christian. I don't care if you're an atheist. I don't care if you're a Muslim. I don't care. You are an evangelist. We do evangelism all the time. Telling the good news. We tell people about our kids. We tell people about our Dallas Cowboys. We tell people about our favorite political candidate. We tell people about our favorite restaurant, our favorite hair care product. We tell people good news all the time about our experiences. 
<laughs> Peter says if Jesus is Lord of your life, you've got to be ready to tell people the good news about Jesus. Why are you evangelizing about stuff that doesn't matter and not ready to tell a minute and a half, two minutes about how the Lord has blessed us, is blessing us? Always be ready, Peter says. Another thing is, and this goes right along with that. This is the next little bullet there. I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord in public and private for the blessings He's given me. We are blessed. We are blessed every day. There are great things happening. And I believe this... Hey, by the way, a little secret here. Everyone, if you're enjoying something good, I don't care if you're a Christian or not, the source of that good thing you enjoy is God. Christians, we just happen to know where our blessings come from. We understand the source of all the good things we enjoy is the God who is greater than us. And so we acknowledge that. We thank God, whether it is face-to-face or whether it's on Facebook. We thank God. Somebody says, hey, congratulations on the birth of your baby daughter. You say, man, thank you. My wife and I were praying for months, and we just thank God for the blessing of having a child or having another child. Acknowledge in public, in private, the small and large ways that God is taking care of you, that He's blessing you. That's part of evangelism. That's part of sharing your faith. Also, I will look for opportunities to invite people to church. I will look for opportunities to invite people to church. Chances are... You came to Preston Crest at some point, whether seven days ago or seven years ago, you came because somebody invited you to come to Preston Crest. Um, Now, whether somebody can or can't come, you invite them, they can or they can't come, whether or not they can come, that's not your thing, that's their thing. Whether or not they want to come, that's not your thing, that's their thing. Okay, Our thing is to share the good news. Our thing is to make the invite happen. Why don't you come with me Sunday? I think you'll enjoy it. Invite somebody to church. Here's another thing. Um, I will join with others in serving the community in Jesus' name. Remember, Jesus talked in Matthew 5 about letting our good works shine for him. I will join with others, the people of God, in doing good work in the community. Uh, Many people don't have a clue that God loves them. Many people don't even have a clue whether there's a God or not, whether God even exists or not. Um, And they will not be able to tangibly experience God's love until they have experienced it from someone like you. Someone who cares about them, who accepts them for who they are, and who helps them out. Then they'll come to know the love of God. We have a lot of work, our church does, Preston Crest, going on in the DFW mission field. We team up for God's glory in dozens and dozens of ministries here in our mission field all the time. Service projects going on. You see them in the bulletin, and you can plug into those. Um, Doing good in the community is a key part of sharing our faith 
um, you see that connection of doing good, of ministry, and sharing faith. You see that all over the New Testament. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, you've got the first Christian church there in Jerusalem. And it says that all of the people looked on them with favor. Okay? People who had not given their lives to Jesus. People who didn't agree with their doctrine or their understanding of Scripture or their knowledge of the story of God. They looked at that group and they looked on them with the word that's used there is favor. Why? Because there were good things happening among that group of people. The poor were being taken care of. People who had been outsiders were now part of a community and were being loved. They were doing good works. And so whether or not folks in Jerusalem agreed with them doctrinally, they looked on that group with favor. And that's what, that's what happens when God's people are making an impact in their community. When we're rubbing shoulders with our neighbors, taking care of people, we are cultivating favor and goodwill, just like our brothers and sisters did in the first century. The next thing is this. I will look for doors God is opening so that I may lead people to Christ. God is at work all around you. I promise you that. It's about being alert and attentive to the work that he's doing, to the doors he's opening, to the opportunities he's giving you. This is a really big one, okay? This is a really big one. It's to pay attention. It's to watch when you see an opportunity to join God, join Him. Get involved in what He's already up to. Want an example? I'll give you an example that involves putting a picnic table in your front yard. Let's watch this video about our own Laura Dalton. Eric and I have always wanted to know our neighbors. When we were first married, we lived in an apartment complex and we didn't want to let that stop us from having people over and getting to know people around us. So we had a lot of people over. When we moved into our house, same thing, I would accidentally cook too much food. Then I would take the kids outside and we went door knocking and invited our neighbors over to have meals with us. It's something that we have tried to do getting to know our neighbors. I have a, a dear friend in our neighborhood. We're also Facebook friends and she started posting about inviting people to your table, but having the table be outside. So I got one over Easter. She got one soon after and we've had a couple organized events at our tables. We had a coffee and donuts party. We invited our whole block, which is 30 houses, 30 houses. We had no idea who would come. But the, the coolest thing was that the neighbors that we knew didn't know each other. So it was a good connecting thing to start off, to kind of kickstart this turquoise table in our front yard. And since then, ooh, it's been a roller coaster of, um, of things that have happened that the Lord has just brought to us as a family. One of my neighbors is having a lot of trouble, and so um, we and some of my other neighbors are trying to help her. 
through some of her struggles, another one of my neighbor's houses got flooded and came to us and said, I have standing water in my house and it's been sitting there for a week. And we said, you're gonna stay with us tonight. A very obvious way that we share Jesus with them is by praying before our meals. And for my neighbor in distress, it's been very meaningful um, to pray before a meal because we include some of the things that she's going through in our prayer. <laughs> very few of our neighbors go to church. Um, very few of our neighbors love Jesus. I've had a lot of conversations with my kids about how we act as a family, what we say and what we don't say um, because our neighbors don't have um, those filters um, around my kids. But it doesn't stop us from still going outside and still getting to know our neighbors. Having a table in your front yard is a great, easy way to get to know your neighbors. And just from what I've shared through Facebook, um, I think the count is up to eight of my friends have also gotten turquoise tables or just tables and chairs in their front yard and are trying to be intentional about their efforts in their community and their neighborhood and getting to know their immediate neighbors. So I think the turquoise table idea is easy. It's not something that you have to wait for permission from a church minister to do. It's not something that you have to invite your friends to the church building because that's very intimidating. You don't even have to clean your house for it. I think that showing our neighbors how we love our kids and how Eric and I love each other as man and wife and as a family, how we kind of do life together. I hope that it's a testimony to how Jesus is in our family and in our home. Yeah, nothing complicated there. Right, Laura? Step one, put a table in a front yard. Step two, hang out at your table. Step three, invite people to hang out with you at your table and shine for Jesus. I love that idea. And really, what, what I wanted you to see from Laura's story is just there are so many simple ways to be Jesus in your neighborhood or in your workplace. I mean, wow, somebody tells you that they're, they're, their house is flooded or they're struggling. Hey, look, would you mind, would you be comfortable if we, we just prayed about that? I'm a person of faith. I'd love to pray about that. I mean, those opportunities that God opens up all around us and and he wants us to take those because he loves those folks so much. So nothing magical about the color turquoise, I take it. Um, nothing magical about that at all in your front yard. But when God's people get intentional about partnering with him and connecting with people and loving people, amazing things happen. Here's another one. If you've been at uh, Preston Crest for a while, I'm confident you have heard about our Friends Speak ministry. And this is the perfect day and the perfect timing to talk about this again. Uh, because, I mean, honestly, if you don't know about it, it is one of the most effective faith-sharing ministries anywhere that I've ever heard of. Um, we offer one-on-one -on -one conversational English classes with our neighbors who don't speak English as a first language but want to improve their English. Very simple, right? Big need out there in our community today. And I'm sure you've noticed many of our neighbors in, in the DFW area, they don't speak English as, as their first language. 
Um, so dozens of our people over the years, um, dozens of our Preston Crest members uh, every week have taken time out to sit down and have these one-on-one -on -one conversations with folks that would like to improve their English. And the textbook we use, the principal textbook we use, is the Gospel of Luke. Um, so these conversations. If you, if you can read, and if you're a Christian, congratulations. You're qualified. Um, one thing that you're not going to hear, if you talk to someone at this church, one of these dozens of people that have done friend speak, are doing friend speak, one of the things you're not going to hear from any of them is, wow, that was a lot harder than I thought it would be. It's really easy. It's really easy. You open the Word of God and let that do the work. You don't need to do the work. Open the Word of God, let that do the work, see where that takes you as your Taiwanese, your Chi generally they're Taiwanese and Chinese as they begin to read the, that story of Jesus. And now we have, I mean, you all know this, we have lots of folks have been baptized here through that, that ministry. Several Chinese, Taiwanese families are members here at Preston Crest now through that ministry. And the timing, I said, the timing is great today because God has just dumped 55 new Taiwanese, Taiwanese students right on top of us who want to stay with us. 55 who've shown up, UTD students, they want to be a part of our Friends Speak program. And I think we're lacking about 16 volunteers, workers right now to help um, to supplement and to get us up where we need to be. So talk about God opening doors. It, we just talked about being alert. Well, there's a big red light and a siren going off on this one. God is telling us, I've opened this door. Be on mission. Join me. You'll have fun doing it. And you'll get to see me work through the Word and through this new relationship that will form. There's information on the back cover of the bulletin if, if you're interested. But, but today is the day. I mean, get, get, get after it. Um, send an email to Bob McAfee or talk to George Miller over here. Today is the day because we've got the need. I mean, they're coming, what, a week from, a week from today or something? These new, So it's going <laughs> to... The avalanche is on its way. And we're going to have an opportunity to share the story of Christ with a lot of folks. I'm really proud of this church, by the way. I don't want to just make this a plea for workers. I'm really proud of this church and how y'all have stepped up and had these one-on-one -on -one conversations with people about Jesus. I don't know of a church anywhere that's got more people on a weekly basis that are sitting down and having one-on-one -on -one conversations about Jesus than this church. So amen to that. I think that's one of the reasons God keeps blessing us. He's like, I know Preston Crest can take care of this. I'm going to send these people I care about to Preston Crest because they're going to share the story. So if you're a disciple, your mission is to share your faith. One of the simplest ways to do that right now is to get involved in that friend speak ministry. By the way, um, Laura Dalton doesn't just have a turquoise table. I know she hates me doing this, right? But she's also involved in the friend speak ministry uh, along with so many others here. So Peter has talked to us about vocation, location, and proclamation. Now, radioactive, radio, radiation, baby. It's the attitude. It's the spirit of Jesus exuding the love of God through us. Radiation, write this down. I will exude God's heart by my gracious attitude. Remember what he says. He says, I want you to share your faith in a gentle and respectful way. 
This is Christ in us. The attitude that permeates us, that fills our faith sharing, one of gentleness and one of respect. The Spirit of the Lord living in you is radiating the love of God through you. The Lord never asks us to bully people. He never asks us to pressure people. Jesus says, you're a light. Shine for me. Shine for all to see. And if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ this morning, you know that God has given you a mission greater than yourself to share the good news with the world around you. And if you aren't on mission, then you are missing out on the purpose of your salvation. And you're missing out on His mission in your life. More than that, the world is missing out on the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning you're not a believer and you want to put your faith in Jesus. We would invite you to do that, to be baptized into His name. However, the Lord is prompting you to respond this morning. We would invite you to respond as we stand together and worship.